0: You're tuned in to The Plan Podcast, episode number 14. In today's episode, we're talking about a little thing called digital overwhelm and some of the coping methods that might be able to help you if you feel like you are experiencing this. If you're someone who can't quit picking up their phone, you know, just to light it up and see what's on the screen. If you feel like your attention span is approximately three seconds long. If scrolling Instagram makes you question your own self-worth, or if you're suffering from a constant case of FOMO, then today's episode is for you. Thanks for tuning in to The Plan Podcast. We don't know everything, but we're putting together a plan to figure it out, one topic, an episode at a time. If your goal is to live better, do better, or be better, then this is the podcast for you. So grab your favorite pen, folks, and let's make some plans with your host, Danny Bruflot from Time Is Honey. All right, Danny, let's get planning. I really think that some of us are exposed to like the digital overwhelm more than others, but I really think we all feel it to some degree or another, right? I mean, depending on your career, you might be really immersed in a computer and in the internet and in different sorts of apps and social platforms all day, kind of with the entire world just literally at your fingertips. I know this is how my day constantly feels. But then there's other careers that might take you completely away from your device for the majority of the day. And I feel like both of those ends of the spectrum have their own challenges, where if you're immersed in it all day, it's kind of anxiety-inducing. And if you're taken away from it all day, it can also be sort of anxiety-inducing. I just really think that any of us living in the modern world with a computer or a smartphone, we just we understand the feeling of digital overwhelm. I think even someone who's a nurse or a construction worker or whatever, who's not within arm's reach of a device all day, probably still has the same feeling of you know wasting an entire morning, evening, or weekend, or even just feeling like an hour or two has passed by where you've just been kind of sucked into the void of the internet and kind of felt time slip away from you. And a lot of this comes down to the fact that our brains are wired genetically to exist within tribes of 100 to 150 people. So that's kind of where we're comfortable normally and kind of historically, how big a network is for one person. But with this rapid advancement of technology, we are now connected to not only hundreds, but thousands and sometimes millions of people. And not just connected, but connected instantly through a little device that we hold in our hand. It's just our brains are not wired to view so much imagery and kind of absorb so much information for, from so many sources on a daily and hourly Basis. I mean, think about how many video clips or photos you view in just a single day now compared to even just like 10 or 20 years ago. It's kind of crazy. But then compare that to what people were were consuming 50 or 100 years ago. I mean, it's just really crazy and overwhelming when you break it down. And it's um, really no wonder that we are starting to have a hard time processing all of it. For me, the struggle has been very real. As someone who has worked very intimately with social media for nearly a decade, the concept of digital overwhelm hit me really hard and fast. And for several years, I think kind of back in like 2012, 2013, 2014, like the first three to five years of my career, I was managing social media accounts for as many as eight clients at once, which that's a lot. I mean, even for people who are managing social media full time, eight clients, is a lot. And these weren't small clients. A lot of my clients had tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, or even millions of followers. So to be bouncing back and forth and kind of managing all of this on my own, those years were really exhausting and overwhelming. Just the sheer amount of time that I was spending each day on different social media platforms or, you know, browsing the internet, reading blogs, reading news articles... And then sorting through messages and comments. It was absolutely ridiculous. And my first signs of digital overwhelm were I mean, the first thing was like almost an impulsive desire to check my phone. I started catching myself picking it up for no reason at all. Or sometimes I would pick it up, not know why I picked it up, and then 20 seconds later pick it up again and be like, why did I just pick this up again? And I know it sounds just like completely bizarre, but. It was just like this impulsive need to look at it. And I would just pick it up, stare at the screen and realize that I had no reason to pick it up. There were no notifications, nothing I needed to do. It was just an impulsive thing. And then even if there was something I had picked it up to do, it was like the second I lit up that screen, my brain went blank and I couldn't remember what it was I had grabbed my phone for. Then I also started noticing that my attention span seemed really short. Like if I was only doing one thing at a time, that seemed boring. I needed to be multitasking constantly. Otherwise, I kind of lost interest. Then the final straw for me was when I started noticing that my self-esteem was being impacted by the hours that I was spending looking at all those perfect little squares on the internet. And this is the one that really started making me sad and I think really drove me to change my own behavior. Now, I noticed that I wasn't feeling as confident, that I was putting a lot of time and energy into thinking about how I looked or what other people thought, and on one hand, this was caused by my job because the work I was doing required that I be constantly consuming content through Instagram and Pinterest and all these spheres where perfection is really supreme. But my job was also the thing that helped me recognize this early on and helped me flip the script to keep things in perspective. You see, thanks to my job, I knew better than to think that someone's skin was flawless or their house was that clean or their life was that happy. I knew that social media was a curated collection of images and moments because that's what people were paying me to help them do. So I, I understood what was happening. And I know not everyone is that lucky. For me, it was easy to look past the shiny patina of Instagram and kind of dig myself out of that hole pretty quickly. But Several years later now, and this is still something that I have to kind of check in on with myself regularly and kind of reset my brain to keep things in perspective, to separate real life from Internet life and remind myself that social media, no matter what the platform, is almost always a highlight reel of someone's very best moments. And for me, it's kind of a hazard of the job. But It's not just the comparison game that gets me. It's also the very real issue of phone, internet, and device addiction, which is when all of these things are kind of taken to the extreme. At this point in the podcast, I just want to say that addiction is serious and addiction to your devices is something that can require professional treatment. So although today's episode has some great tips and coping methods, the show notes for today also has some additional resources if you need further help. Research is now kind of showing us what happens in our brains when we pick up our phone and see notifications, or we view how many likes we got, or see a new text or message from our crush. Our brain releases dopamine, and over time, we start to kind of crave that little release of feel-good hormones. And just like all addictive substances, we can get hooked into a cycle of performing that behavior in order to get the reward. And then we get a little irritated and crabby when we don't get it, either because we don't have access to our device... We're somewhere that has no internet service, or maybe the post we spent hours on is getting nothing but crickets. And raise your hand if you've been there, totally raising my hand. You know, you put something out there, you aren't getting the response that you want. And instead of being able to just kind of put that out of your mind and walk away from it, it might like ruin your night or ruin your weekend. This is something that I've had to get way better at over the years. And for anyone who's putting themselves out there online, it's like, You have to make the decision whether things like that are going to drag you down and ruin your day or ruin your weekend, or you're going to move on from it. And it's not always easy. A lot of the apps and devices that we use are finally kind of starting to catch up with the research, but kind of slowly. Some platforms have taken measures to make them less addictive. Um, Facebook, for example, has started adjusting their algorithm so that your home feed contains um, kind of less updates and doesn't update as frequently. So Um, Once they noticed that people were just kind of constantly refreshing their news feed and it was presenting as kind of an addictive behavior, they were encouraged to kind of start changing the way that that functioned. Apple also has introduced built-in software that helps you monitor and limit your app usage. So the industry that kind of helped create this issue of digital overwhelm and device addiction is making some attempt to do their part in reversing it. But like I said, it's happening kind of slowly. So now I want to talk quickly about some of the things that have worked for me. And try to help you set up a plan to decrease your dependence on the devices and external gratification of social media. So the first kind of aspect is identifying the manipulation that's taking place. One thing that can be really helpful is for you as a consumer to understand some of the ways that brands use social media and the ways that they might be taking advantage of your human instincts and human emotions. When brands create an illusion of exclusivity, for example, they're leveraging the idea of FOMO. And if you don't know what FOMO is, it's spelled F-O-M-O, usually in all caps. And what it stands for is the fear of missing out. So it's that emotion of seeing other people doing fancy, nice, great things and fearing that you are missing out on that. And you can kind of feel that feeling right in the pit of your stomach. Um, It happens all the time on social media where you feel like everyone else is out doing something fun tonight. I'm the one that's stuck at home. That is FOMO. And a lot of brands take advantage of this. just your natural desire to be included and invited and use it to sell you an idea, an event, or a product. We also see this with insecurities and imperfections. Brands take advantage of your fears and your insecurities. So your fear of aging or your fear of an imperfect body or fear of your weight or dry hair, crooked teeth, soft arms, whatever it might be, they kind of take advantage of those fears that we have that's natural to have, whatever it might be, and create images and write content that taps directly into that insecurity and primes you for a sale. Once you realize that a lot of big brands, you know, not all of them, some of them are starting to become more uh, sensitive, I guess, about this entire topic. But once you realize that a lot of brands and not necessarily just big brands, even small brands and influencers and, you know, small business owners, anyone that's trying to market to, once you realize that these people are piecing together content, they have entire teams developing this type of content to tap into these emotions, it becomes a lot easier to kind of defend yourself against it. So for me, I think that this is kind of step one, just kind of start reading online online content with a bit of skepticism. Think about who they're trying to reach, who they're trying to sell to, and what emotions they're trying to evoke from you in order to make the sale. The second part of this for me has been monitoring and limiting my usage. So as I mentioned earlier, smartphones are now coming with built-in software that helps you monitor your app and device usage. On the iPhone, you simply click on settings, and then underneath settings, you'll see a little purple icon that says screen time. It's usually about 10 items from the top of that list. Within this menu, you can get a really great breakdown of how much time you're spending on your phone each day and then how that time is divided across different apps. So you can see that you spent an hour and a half on Instagram and 30 minutes in your email and 15 minutes on Facebook and four hours reading the news (laughs) or whatever it might be. It breaks it down for you really well so you can see where you're spending your time. Another thing that I really love and use a lot within this menu is underneath this app usage menu, you'll also see a section called app limits. And here you can set limits for how much time you're allowed to spend on social media apps or news aggregator apps or games or creative apps, whatever category. And this is such a cool feature. All it does is you can set a limit. Let's say you want to spend an hour a day on Instagram. Once you start getting close to that hour, your phone will send you a pop-up saying that you have five minutes left. When those five minutes are up, it'll close out of the app and it actually won't even let you open it again until your limit resets the following day. I love this feature because I really find that it kind of prevents me from just mindlessly scrolling and wasting time on certain apps and just helps ensure that if I log in to do something or respond to somebody or answer a question or whatever, that I just kind of complete that task quickly in a timely fashion. And then I close out because maybe I want to have 15 minutes remaining at the end of the day so that I can pop into Instagram and scroll it for dinner recipe ideas or chat with a friend. And so it just kind of helps prioritize my time so I'm not wasting it. Another cool feature here is that it also allows you to extend the limits across devices. So it'll monitor how much time you're spending on your iPad and your iPhone and your computer and it can add them all together. And then it also lets you set family features. So if you have a family um, account or you have multiple family members across accounts and devices, it'll let you set up limits for everybody. So kind of a cool parental control type feature as well. It's a feature that I would definitely encourage you to check out, even if it's just to keep an eye on the numbers and just watch what your average daily usage is to make sure it stays within kind of a healthy limit. Another thing that I do, which it might not be a super popular opinion, I guess, is turning off notifications. Now, when I tell people that I do this, and I have done it for years at this point, people are kind of shocked. And I think that's probably because I do social media for a living. And I mean, personally, I it appears, I guess, that I spend a lot of time kind of absorbed by social media. Um, I guess what my approach is here is that just like email, the world is not going to implode if you miss a Facebook or Instagram notification. So for me personally, I keep all Facebook and all Instagram notifications turned off on my phone. I actually even keep all email notifications turned off because I don't need my phone beeping at me telling me what's going on, especially because most of the day I'm in front of a computer. This just really helps me limit distractions throughout the day so that I can get other, probably more important work done. And then I just try to have little designated times throughout the day when I log into Facebook, open Instagram, refresh my email, and so on. I'm a big fan of setting a timer. So I might get up in the morning, kind of check all my accounts to see what's going on, check my client's accounts to see what's going on, respond to things as they need, and then I'll set a timer for two hours or three hours, and I will completely stay out of notifications until that timer goes off, and then I log in and, and recheck those things. The next area I'm gonna talk about is curating and controlling your content. So along with turning off notifications, I think it's also important to curate who you're following on the platforms you choose to use, along with how you use those platforms and how you allow them to kind of interfere with your life. So I think it's okay to unfollow people. I'll just say that right now. Anyone who makes you feel poorly about yourself or brands, that you have kind of identified as constantly trying to manipulate your emotions, like unfollow them. That is not worth your time or energy. And it is certainly not worth your mental well-being. On the other side of this, there are people who I really love, who I genuinely care about, and I enjoy being around and whose content I do not need to see popping up in my feed all the time. You know, it's like, I love their content. I want to see it when I want to see it, but I don't need it just popping up at any old time. And I think that this is becoming more and more obvious um, on Instagram as the app grows into more areas and has so many different ways where people can communicate and share content. So a feature that Instagram has now is muting. So rather than unfollowing someone where it kind of breaks that connection, you can mute them and you can opt to mute their posts or their stories or both. I think this is really helpful because we all have people that we love and care about who maybe they just post a lot or maybe their posts make us feel somewhat negatively. And it's okay to maybe want to follow their story but not see their posts or see when they post a photo to their feed but not necessarily keep tabs on what they are doing on a daily basis in story. You can always go to their profile if you want to see what they've been up to, what they've been posting, and watch their story there. And I think that is kind of nice because it just allows you to go and check in on them when you're thinking of them rather than having them kind of intruding into your day when you don't want that. So to do this, all you do is go to someone's profile on Instagram, click on the three little dots that appear up in the top right corner, and then click on the red text that says MUTE. When you click on mute, it will then give you a little menu that says mute story, mute feed, and you can click on one or the other or both of these. And then this is also where you return to to undo this. So you can view this as a way to take a temporary break from someone. So say that someone's going on a really amazing vacation and you had to cancel your vacation because you couldn't afford it or couldn't take the vacation time. And you just don't really need to see that. Or they're leading up to a big product launch that just isn't relevant to you and they're talking about it all the time. You know, take some time off. Go ahead, mute their story or mute their feed or both. And the next time you find yourself genuinely thinking about them, visit their profile, undo the muting if you want to. I really don't think that there's anything wrong with this. And honestly, people shouldn't really notice you're doing it. But if somebody approached you and was like, hey, did you mute my story? I think it's okay to be like, yeah, I did. This type of muting feature is also possible on Facebook by simply going to someone's profile and then rather than unfriending them, just selecting unfollow. So this'll keep your friendship on the platform intact. So you're still connected in that way, but it'll reduce or remove the content from them from showing up on your feed all the time. I know in some ways it kind of sucks that we have to do this sort of manual labor to curate our feeds and to kind of prevent ourselves from seeing unwanted content. But I think if you want to use the platform's And if there's anything on them that is causing issues for you, just knowing how to do these muting and unfollowing features to kind of set these parameters for yourself is really helpful. And step-by-step directions for both of these are in today's show notes if you need to reread it again. So my last little section here is getting some tech-free hobbies. And I'm just going to end today's show kind of chatting about this, which it might be kind of obvious, but... I really think it helps to make sure that you have hobbies and activities that don't involve so much technology. It's just a really good way to make sure you're keeping a healthy balance in your life. For me, I like to set aside time each day to read. And, you know, it's like I wish I had 30 minutes or an hour every day. Sometimes it's only 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. But just taking that time to get my eyes off of a computer screen, reading a book, kind of escape a little bit, It really does a lot to kind of reset my mental clarity and my focus. If you can sit and read a book for 5 to 10 minutes, it helps you keep that focus. It really does. I also like to meditate, and I'm not a person that's like, oh, I'm so into meditation. I'm so great at it. I'm not. I'm terrible at it. Um, I'm not like the Zen person like humming in the corner or whatever. But for me, what it means is just like getting my eyes off the screen, shutting my eyes, trying to kind of concentrate and direct my focus to one thing or nothing at all. And again, I do it for a short period of time, five or 10 minutes. It just, again, helps me reset my focus. For us, of course, we bike a lot. And especially in Copenhagen, you cannot be on a bike and looking around at your phone. There's too many other bikes around you. It's a very big hazard. So biking as a mode of transportation has definitely helped um, kind of reduce my screen time. Uh, versus, like if we were on a bus, I would definitely be sitting on my phone, and certainly if I was riding shotgun in a car, um, I would be wasting time on my phone for that, you know, twenty-minute drive or a three-hour drive, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. So. Biking as a mode of transportation has helped have screen free time. You're out in nature, out in the fresh air. It's very nice. Um, another hobby we have is rock climbing, and I don't know about you, but I find it pretty hard to climb up a rock wall with a phone in my hand. So that really helps having that hobby where you know you're just not you don't have your phone on you. You're focused on the goal in front of you. And then recently, one the other weekend, Josh was out of town. He went to. Austria and Switzerland for the weekend. So I had like four days home alone. And although I had a lot of work I wanted to get done and, you know, obviously I'm in an amazing city with plenty to do, but we'd been on the go a lot and had a guest recently. And I was just really looking forward to spending time at home, relaxing and enjoying having the apartment to myself. And so I kind of went into it knowing that if I didn't make plans around it. I would get sucked into wasting time on my phone over the course of the weekend. And so I actually just kind of impulsively went out, bought a ukulele, and started taking ukulele lessons. Now, the the lessons were online, valid, so I was watching videos on my iPad. But what I wasn't doing was scrolling my phone, looking at notifications. I spent almost every free minute I had that weekend playing around with this ukulele and learning how to play it. And I just kind of realized that the cool thing about learning a musical instrument is that it really occupies your hands and your brain, which I think is really cool and kind of satisfies that need that we have to like be multitasking. Kind of like when you're watching TV, but you feel like your hands have nothing to do. So all of a sudden you realize that you're also like scrolling Facebook or scrolling pinterest on your phone while you're watching tv it's that uh, second screen experience as we like to call it now Um, i've just been kind of finding over the last couple weeks that a musical instrument is kind of like that it kind of fills that need where your brain and your hands are occupied it's kind of cool but if you're not into musical instruments other things that could be kind of cool like this are uh, crafts like painting or knitting Um, just kind of things that can help keep you busy So when I'm doing these other activities that should be kind of tech free, like reading a book, practicing my ukulele, watching a television show, I find it really helpful to just take my phone and put it in another room. It helps me kind of resist that urge to pick it up and kind of mess around on it and kind of out of sight, out of mind. So I'm just like less likely to touch it. Okay, so those are kind of the four areas that I've found to be really helpful in coping with and managing feelings of digital overwhelm. And just to recap them, one is identifying the manipulation. So identifying what brands are taking advantage of and kind of just being aware of it helps you cope with it. Number two is monitoring and limiting my usage. And like I said, I just use the built-in features that come on the iPhone now. And more info about that's in the show notes. Three is curating and controlling the content I see and how or when I see it. So unfollowing, muting, limiting how people can interact with you. And then area number four is having tech-free hobbies. So reading, walking, biking, learning a musical instrument, different types of crafts, making sure that you have a healthy balance of things that aren't centered around tech. And then really quickly, a few other things that I've kind of heard from other people while talking about this, seen online and whatever, that I thought I would just kind of mention here because they aren't things that work well for me, but that doesn't mean that they won't work well for you. So one thing that a lot of people love is avoiding using your phone or computer an hour before bed and for the first hour when you wake up. Now, I can totally see the value in this. It's beautiful. For me, it's very hard, especially because all of my clients are in the US time zone. And so when I wake up in the morning, it's important for me to jump on my phone, make sure any posts that were supposed to go up went up, make sure there's no fires, that there's no emergencies that I need to address. And so, as much as I wish I could wake up and just do some yoga and go for a long walk, I do have to jump on my phone pretty immediately, um, and just kind of make sure everything is okay in that world. And same for my husband. His company is based um, partially in Denmark and partially in the U.S. So for him also, he's kind of got to jump on his phone first thing in the morning and make sure everything is okay in the U.S. office. So this just doesn't totally work for us, but I could see it being amazing if it works for you and the type of work you do. Another one people like to do, and it's kind of similar to that one, is to make your bedroom a phone-free zone. So keeping your phone in a different room, out of sight, out of mind, I guess. Um, Again, for us, this just doesn't work because we both have work based in the US. And so when we're in bed at eight or nine o'clock at night, it's afternoon for them. So it's helpful for us to... Just have our phones there, be able to check them in between shows or right before we fall asleep to make sure there's no big emergencies. Again, I get why this isn't necessarily healthy behavior and how it can be kind of anxiety inducing or lead to a bad night's sleep if you do see that something's going on and you can't necessarily help or solve it right that moment. Um, But for us, it just doesn't work. But I think if you could have a phone-free zone in your bedroom, that would be a really wonderful way to kind of ease that digital overwhelm. Another idea that I've seen and really love, and again, hard for me given my job, but is to designate one entire day of the week as being tech-free or maybe just social media-free where you take time completely away from it. Again, hard for me because that's how I make my living, but if you aren't a social media strategist, I think this would be really lovely. A lot of people also are doing digital detoxes or social media detoxes where they're taking, you know, maybe it's just a day, but also I've been seeing more people take an entire week or an entire month. And so just know that it's really easy to temporarily deactivate any social media account. So Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. It doesn't mean that it's deleted. It's just simply deactivated, which means you won't be getting any notifications. People can't go to your profile. People can't message you. And when you're ready to get back onto that platform and all of your information is there. So if you're interested in a social media detox for whatever period of time, it's totally possible. And I think a good, healthy way to kind of cope with some of this. And then, kind of as a last one, is hosting an event or asking your home to be a tech free zone. And so maybe you're hosting a dinner or something and just kind of asking everyone to put their phones in a basket or whatever. Um, this is kind of an interesting one because it's something that has bothered me so much about social media over the years. And this is kind of a random tangent and rant at the end of this episode. But it's one of the reasons why I have always had a hard time understanding Snapchat and just could never get into it. And I had an account on there for like a blip in time and I just barely ever used it. And I just, I found the platform to be so invasive in the way that it communicated with people. So the way it was sending me people's content, it was like, I felt like I had no control over people sending me stuff and people that I didn't even know that well sending me stuff and for it to be popping up as a notification that appeared as something that was just for me, even though they're sending it to 200 people. And I just found it so invasive, invasive of like my own mental space. I couldn't stand it. And then I also started realizing that the people in my life who were using Snapchat almost became like oblivious to how rude they were being with their devices, you know, whipping them out at dinner, whipping them out mid-conversation, and also really intrusive of the privacy of the people around around them. So they would just like, you know, whip out their phone and start videotaping when you're in a swimsuit or your mouth is full of food or they're in your home and maybe you don't want like every aspect of your home put out on the internet or message to 50 people. And it just kind of like really turned me off to the whole thing and also made me really conscious of how I use Instagram story when that came out because it can be so similar. But yeah, so just kind of having these tech-free zones or parties or events where maybe everybody takes a little break and you don't feel the need to post it and you recognize that the world goes on and these memories can be created without it being captured in a video. And this is something that I really notice in Denmark because here it's considered much more rude to be on your phone, especially in the presence of others, especially in someone else's home, and especially kind of in public. You don't see people out kind of catching each other on video, um, out in public, out in restaurants. I think it's it feels like much more of an invasion of privacy here, and I really like that. Um, so I think just kind of being aware of that and not being shy about asking people to put their phones away at dinner or when they're in your home, I think that's totally okay. That just wraps up today's episode, and I really hope it was helpful to just kind of talk about this and maybe just recognize that everybody feels it. I think everyone to at least some degree feels this digital overwhelm, but for a lot of people, it's leading them to abandon social media platforms altogether, and so as someone who's currently living halfway around the the world and so far away from all the things and people that she's familiar with... I guess I just really have sort of a newfound appreciation for social media platforms and the way that they can connect us, make our lives easier, make us feel less lonely. It's just about knowing how to control them rather than let them control us or control our emotions. So the show notes for today have more information and step-by-step directions for accessing those app usage controls on your phone, how to mute people, how to unfollow people, and kind of curate your social media feeds yourself. And then it also has links to a couple other podcast episodes by other people that I think are kind of helpful for continued learning on this topic, as well as resource for getting support if you feel like you're experiencing phone or internet addiction. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you again soon. Thank you for tuning in and making some plans with us today. You can find the show notes for all episodes over at planpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to tell someone about it by sharing this episode with them and taking a moment to rate us and review us in the App Store. Don't forget, we've got plans next week, and we will see you then.